Hey, just a note, if you are joining us for the first time right now, I suggest you go back a couple and start with the first two stanzas of William Wordsworth's Ode. Hello, this is Jeff Windsor, and this is Lucky Words, a podcast where we talk about culture, art, and a good deal of poetry, ideally all while we're outdoors doing something cool. standing right now at the head of Blue Rock Valley. At least that's what we call it, because there is a big blue rock. It's blue because it's painted blue, and I have no idea why there is a blue painted rock in the middle of this valley. It's not a very big valley. About, I'm not very good with sizes. Let's say 100 yards wide by 300 long. Not big. But it's flat in the middle, and it is a valley. We're camping down there, me and a group of scouts. We got here about an hour ago. We've pitched our tents. I've already eaten. Some people are still cooking their food. From where I'm standing, I can see some boys who decided to climb up a hill. But they have since given up because it gets too steep. So they're turning back walking back toward camp. I stepped off the trail a minute ago so I could record. And as I stepped forward, there was a snake that slithered away. And I thought, oh, cool, a snake. And I watched him and he slithered away. And I looked at him and I thought, that is a good-looking snake. And he slithered away. I took a step closer. He slithered away again. I thought, boy, he is lazy. I just want to go catch him. And so I took one step closer And then he started to rattle at me, and I turned and ran. Maybe I'll play the audio at the end. Maybe not. Maybe I'm too embarrassed. I'm going to read sections 7 and 8 from Wordsworth's Ode, Intimations of Immortality. The previous stanza ends, as you recall, The homely nurse doth all she can to make her foster child, her inmate, man, forget the glories he hath known and that imperial palace whence he came. It continues. 7. Behold the child among his newborn blisses, a six-years darling of a pygmy size. See where mid-work of his own hand he lies, fretted by sallies of his mother's kisses, with light upon him from his father's eyes. See at his feet some little plan or chart, some fragment from the dream of human life, shaped by himself with newly learned art, a wedding or a festival, a mourning or a funeral. And this hath now his heart, and unto this he frames his song. Then will he fit his tongue to dialogues of business, love or strife. But it will not be long ere this be thrown aside, and with new joy and pride the little actor cons another part filling from time to time his humorous stage, with all the persons down to palsied age that life brings with her in her equipage, as if the whole vocation were endless imitation. This stanza is talking about a child playing, doing imaginative play. He imagines playing at a funeral, and he imagines being a businessman, he imagines being a young man and an old man. He is in this prime happy time 
where he is fretted by sallies of his mother's kisses with light upon him from his father's eyes. So his parents are doting on him. He's happy. It's beautiful. This is perfection. And that is what Wordsworth is trying to describe to us. A perfect time. A time when everything is happy and everything is good. In the next part, Wordsworth takes a philosophical turn. 8. Thou whose exterior semblance doth belie thy soul's immensity, thou best philosopher, who yet dost keep thy heritage, thou eye among the blind, that deaf and silent readest the eternal deep, haunted forever by the eternal mind, mighty prophet, seer blessed, on whom those truths do rest, which we are toiling all our lives to find, in darkness lost, the darkness of the grave. Thou over whom thy immortality broods like the day, a master or a slave, a presence which is not to be put by, to whom the grave is but a lonely bed, without the sense or sight of day or the warm light, a place of thought where we in waiting lie, thou little child, yet glorious in the might of heaven-born freedom on thy being's height, why with such earnest pains doth thou provoke the years to bring the inevitable yoke, thus blindly with thy blessedness at strife? Full soon thy soul shall have her earthly freight, and custom lie upon thee with a weight, heavy as frost, and deep almost as life. So here we are contrasting the glory of youth in this happy imaginative stage with what is coming. And Wordsworth is essentially grabbing this young child by the shoulders and shaking him, saying, don't you see what you have? And of course the child doesn't. The child can't, because that's the point. He's a child. His innocence makes it impossible for him to see these things. He can't see them exactly because he has them. The paradox is that if he could see them, he could no longer have them. Hence he is the mighty prophet, the seer blessed. That's the child. And the child is thoughtless. Toward the end of the section, he describes the grave as a place of thought where we in waiting lie. The thinking is the problem. And the child isn't thinking. The child is playing. The child is singing. The child is pretending and imitating other things. Wordsworth, in seeing that the child playing with adult things, recognizes that those adult things are, in fact, a form of death because you lose that childlike childhood innocence. I'm watching the boys camp, and they're messing around. They're climbing on things and throwing things around. They're talking. It's toward the end of the school year, and they're not thinking about it right now. They are able to put things entirely out of their minds. I wish I could put things entirely out of my mind. I wish that I could be as carefree. But I can't. I'm glad that I get to come out to places like this. Places where I cannot see any kind of man-made permanent structure. 
I can see the trail that runs through the grass in the middle of the valley. I can see the tents that we have set up, or the hammocks. But they'll be gone by tomorrow afternoon. And the trail will still be there. And it's something we made. I don't know if you'd call it something that we built. It was created through the process of people walking and riding their bikes back and forth and back and forth. I don't know that it was designed as much as it just evolved naturally. Naturally by human feet, sure. But it went there because it's the right place for the trail to be. And often when I'm outdoors and I can stand in the middle of a grassy meadow, grassy valley like this, and I can look on my right and see just this mammoth stone mountain that's still covered in snow on the top. And I can look up to my left and see another massive stone mountain and see the snow still on top of there. And here between Timp and Cascade and feel just the grandeur and the majesty makes me feel small. It's a good way to feel. It's a good way to be. Once again, parts seven and eight from William Wordsworth's Ode, Intimations of Immortality. Behold the child among his newborn blisses, six years darling of a pygmy size. See where mid-work of his own hand he lies, fretted by sallies of his mother's kisses, with light upon him from his father's eyes. See at his feet some little plan or chart, some fragment from a dream of human life, shaped by himself with new learned art, a wedding or a festival, a mourning or a funeral. And this hath now his heart. And unto this he frames his song. Then will he fit his tongue to dialogues of business, love, or strife. But it will not be long ere this be thrown aside, and with new joy and pride the little actor cons another part, filling from time to time his humorous stage. With all the persons down to the palsied age that life brings with her in her equipage, as if his whole vocation were endless imitation. 8. Thou whose exterior semblance doth belie thy soul's immensity, thou best philosopher, who yet dost keep thy heritage, thou eye among the blind, that deaf and silent readest the eternal deep, hunted forever by the eternal mind, mighty prophet, seer blessed, on whom those truths do rest, which we are toiling all our lives to find, in darkness lost, the darkness of the grave. Thou over whom thy immortality broods like the day, a master or the slave, a presence which is not to be put by, to whom the grave is but a lonely bed without the sense or sight of day or the warm light, a place of thought where we in waiting lie, thou little child, yet glorious in the might of heaven-born freedom on thy being's height. Why, with such earnest pains, dost thou provoke the years to bring the inevitable yoke, thus blindly with thy blessedness at strife? Full soon thy soul shall have her earthly freight, and custom lie upon thee with a weight heavy as frost and deep almost as life.
was a rattlesnake. Holy crap. Oh.